Hello and welcome to the second episode of our new UPC podcast, You, Me and the UPC. Uh, again, you have me, Charlie French and Naomi Hazenberg from the patent litigation team at Bristow's. Today, we are going to cover some more UPC basics. So the courts that form part of the UPC uh, in particular, and also some of the early cases that we've seen being filed in the UPC. Yeah, we say basics, but there are quite a lot of them. We're covering over the two uh, first episodes, but yes. So we are going to start with uh, the split of the court of first instance between the central division and the local and regional divisions. And the central division, which is generally where revocation actions and DNIs, uh, declarations of non-infringement will be filed, um, is where we're going to start and Paris is the formal seat of the Central Division, but it is split into three sections. Previously, it was in London. And Charlie, where have we got to now? Yeah, so uh, initially, London was going to be one of the main seats of the Central Division, but obviously, post-Brexit, uh, the UK is no longer playing a part in the UPC, so London is out. Um, in the early days, London was due to hear mainly sort of chemical and pharmaceutical cases, uh, and the other two seats uh, were to hear engineering type cases. That was in Munich and Paris was given everything else. Um, there was some uncertainty for quite a long time as to which court was going to replace London as the third seat of the UPC. But just before the UPC start date, it was confirmed that Milan would be the third seat of the UPC alongside Munich and Paris. And uh, although they are going to hear cases, that's not going to happen until June 2024. Um, and those cases have been split across Paris and Munich for the time being, and not entirely clearly how they are going to be split. Uh, and that will depend on SPC. So Charlie, as this is your area of expertise, <laughs> I'll pass this whole question over to you. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's now been announced that um, the reallocation of the competencies that were originally with the London seat uh, won't uh, th th those cases won't all go to Milan. So Milan is going to cover human necessities, um, but but not any SPCs associated with human necessities cases. Munich is going to get uh, chemistry and metallurgy cases, but again, not the SPCs associated um, with those patents. And then Paris is going to get all of the cases, including um, SPCs from, from those classes. But it's a little unclear based on the UPC communications as to how that's going to work in practice. So for example, what if there's a challenge to the validity of the underlying patent, which will also affect the SPC? Will that be addressed by Paris because it's a patent with an SPC? Or will Paris only hear questions regarding interpretation of the SPC regulation? Um, hopefully that will become clear in due course, but it, it, it's a little bit uncertain at the moment. And then there's also the local and regional divisions where infringement actions will be filed, as well as any revocation counterclaims. Currently, there are 17 regional and local divisions, and they include the Nordic and Baltic regional division, which have got four uh, locations for the court, as well as the four local divisions in Germany. If there is a revocation counterclaim filed following an infringement case that has been filed in one of those local and regional divisions. Uh, has to be filed in the local and regional division, but then there is a choice of what happens uh, going forward. 
the court could either proceed with both parts of the action or effectively bifurcate the action by referring the revocation counterclaim uh, to the central division and either staying or maybe proceeding with the infringement element, or they could refer everything to the central division. So there will be a potential for there to be a range of different ways that cases could be run. Yeah, and those cases uh, in in the local and regional divisions will be heard by a multinational panel of judges. So uh, there must be three legally qualified judges in the local and regional divisions. it depends how many uh, patent cases the courts of that country have heard in in the years preceding the UPC. So for countries that uh, have heard more than 50 cases per year, two of the legally qualified judges will be from that jurisdiction um, and one from another jurisdiction for uh, divisions where there's been fewer patent cases in, in the years running up to the UPC. It will be one legally qualified judge from that jurisdiction and two uh, from other jurisdictions. If there's a request uh, by one of the parties or the court, a technically qualified judge uh, with qualifications and experience in, in the relevant field may also be appointed. So in those cases, you'd have four judges hearing the cases. And in the central division, in most cases, there are going to be two legally qualified judges, which uh, they are going to come from nationals of different contracting member states and one technically qualified judge, so slightly different Makeup of the panel in the central division. And then once you've had a case at first instance, it it might or it could go up to the Court of Appeal, which is going to be in Luxembourg, and that will hear all substantive and procedural appeals. Yeah, I think that's going to have quite an important role in harmonising the approach across the different courts. Uh, In the early days, we imagine they're going to be finding their feet and there might be uh, a few differences in approach based on national experience and preferences. And hopefully the, the, the Court of Appeal will be able to sort of even that out over time. Um, the Court of Appeal can also make referrals to the CJEU if needed. And uh, generally speaking, it's going to be a panel of five judges, uh, three of whom are legally qualified and two technically qualified judges. But there are some cases uh, of uh, if the cases or the questioning being looked at is of exceptional importance, where you could have a hearing of the full Court of Appeal, and that will be with the Court of Appeal president and no less than 10 legally and technically qualified judges. Um, There are only seven legally qualified judges currently in the Court of Appeal, uh, which include the the president, uh, Klaus Skrabinski, and um, it could be that those seven people are quite busy if there are a lot of uh, cases to be heard by a full panel um, to start with. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to do a bit more of a sort of deep dive into jurisdiction in our next episode, where we'll be joined by our, our very learned colleague, Dr. Gregory Bacon. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll leave it for there for this basics introduction. I suppose the other point to mention is the languages of the courts. So it has now been confirmed that all of the local and regional divisions will offer English as an option. That was quite a last minute confirmation. I think the UPC website included a news update on the 1st of June. So on the first day of the UPC, which confirmed uh, that English would be offered everywhere. And up to then, it hadn't been clear whether the French, German and Italian local divisions would be offering English or not. I think that's quite interesting when you look at the early cases and the languages they've been filed in. Um, And we might see... Uh, a, a bit of a change in the future now it's known that English is an option everywhere. 
And the other local and regional divisions had previously confirmed that they would work in English. So it's just those four that kind of confirmed later mm. on, but like you said, quite late. Um, so maybe if we move on now to look at the cases that have been filed so far, um, it's probably worth us saying that it, it's not super easy to find all of the uh, details about what cases have been filed. So um, we are going off what we can see on the case management system. And it's probably fair to say that what we can see on the case management system doesn't always line up with uh, reports of individual cases that have been filed or reportings of like some of the numbers of cases and proceedings that have been filed. So we'll go with what we can see. But according to a report from the UPC Administrative Committee, uh, which was, um, they had the figures up to the 26th of June, and there had been 23 cases that had been filed uh, at that point. And they kind of range across the various different types of actions, don't they, Charlie? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think those early cases reported on the 26th of June included four applications for provisional measures, two applications to preserve evidence, three revocation actions and 14 infringement actions. Um, And the Administrative Committee also confirmed that they'd received 236 protective letters um, by that date, which uh, th- these are sort of protective measures that can be lodged when a party considers they might be the subject of an ex parte injunction um, and generally explains why an application for an ex parte injunction should be rejected. Um, I think the numbers are possibly a bit lower than people had expected in the early days of the UPC, um, but it may be uh, that we're not seeing all of the cases that have been filed on the system. Um, as, as, as Naomi said, it's quite hard to match up what's showing in the case management system with reports we're seeing online. Um, but we can see some trends from the early cases um, emerging already. So those early day trends so it seem to indicate that uh, a lot of the early infringement actions have been filed in Germany. Uh, and the most popular of the German local divisions is the Munich one. Um, a lot of those cases have also been filed in German, uh, although that might reflect the fact, as Charlie said, that Germany didn't confirm that it would hear cases in English until the very, very last minute. Um, there have also been infringement cases filed in Milan, which is in Italian, and the Nordic and Baltic divisions uh, in English. It's interesting to see um, that there have been quite a lot of life sciences cases filed, as I mentioned in the last episode, which goes against the predictions in the run-up to the UPC that there would be a lot of SEP cases, but perhaps life sciences companies would generally be more conservative and opt their patents out, uh, at least until they saw how their new system was functioning in the early days. But it seems that at least some life sciences companies have taken the view that they want to shape the system and be part of it from the beginning. So some of the cases we've seen so far, uh, Sanofi filed a revocation action against an Amgen patent, which relates to antigen binding proteins to PCSK9. Uh, I think that's the most highly valued case that's showing on the case management system at the moment. It's been assigned a case value of 100 uh, million. That's interesting uh, as well because the other patents in the same patent family had been opted out of the UPC. Um, The patent that's the subject of the revocation action was granted on the 19th of May, so only a few weeks before the UPC start date. Um, That action was filed in English at the Central Division uh, in Munich. Uh, In response to that, or 
but but we assume uh, with quite a, a lot of preparation in the run up to the EPC, uh, Amgen also filed an infringement action against Regeneron and Sanofi uh, in Munich in German uh, on the basis of the same patent. Um, now, interestingly, the language of the proceedings for the revocation action against the patent is English, the language of the patent, whereas the infringement action was filed in German. Um, so it'll be interesting to see here whether uh, the local division in Munich decides to proceed with the infringement proceedings, to stay them or refer them to the central division. And if they stay separate, uh, we're facing the possibility of two sets of proceedings in relation to the same patent, one in German and one in English. So that would be an interesting one to watch. At least they're both in Munich, so that people won't have they, they to travel so extensively to handle them. <laughs> Um, uh, so some other cases we've seen are Edwards Life Sciences and Merrill, so two infringement actions relating to prosthetic valves. Uh, they relate to different patents. One was filed in English in the Nordic Baltic Division uh, and one in German in the Munich Local Division. So potentially an example there of a company testing out different local and regional divisions within the UPC. Um, we've also seen actions by uh, 10 Times Genomics. Uh, in Hamburg, again, in the German language. Um, and we've seen reports that the same company is seeking PIs uh, against nanostring, and the technology there is sort of analyte detection. Uh, finally, I think on the life sciences side, we've seen, uh, it's worth mentioning, two revocation claims that were filed by Astellas against patents owned by Osaka University and Helios relating to methods for producing and uh, purifying retinal pigment epithelial cells. Uh, those both filed uh, in the central division uh, and they've ended up in Munich. And on the non-life sciences side, there were some infringement actions filed by Ocado against Autostore. So a case that had been rumbling on in various jurisdictions has leapt into the UPC. And there are three uh, patents uh, there that relates to the storage systems and method for re retrieving units within those systems. One of those uh, was filed in Milan in Italian, one of them in Dusseldorf in German, and one in the Nordic and Baltic Regional Division in English. Again, as Charlie said, it looks like they're filing in various places to test out uh, the different systems and, and seeing how they work uh, and the pros and cons of how they work against each other. Um, those actions were all filed very close together. I think it was the 6th of June, the 7th of June and the 16th of June so all within a 10-day period there have been a few other infringement actions infringement action that Philips filed against Belkin and some other individuals uh, in Munich in German and that relates to the wireless charging standard there was also a, a, an action filed by Huawei uh, against Netgear it was um, wireless uh, LAN transmission um, worth mentioning the very first case, uh, which was for a, a, a bath, a sanitation bathtub system, um, which was in German in Dusseldorf. Uh, and then we understand there's maybe been one injunction granted. Yeah, so I think we, th there are a number of uh, PI applications. Our understanding is that the inter-parties applications won't be heard until uh, September at the earliest, so we won't see any decisions from those for a while. But um, we have heard reports of an ex parte injunction having been granted by the local division in Dusseldorf. 
uh, to a company called MyStroma against Revolt uh, Cycling, uh, which was in connection with a trade fair in Frankfurt. Um, there are no public details of the case available on the case management system, unfortunately, but we understand that this was a situation in which the alleged infringer had actually filed a protective letter. So it's interesting that the Dusseldorf court went on to grant an ex parte injunction in that situation. Uh, it might suggest that the Dusseldorf court is sort of going back to apply the traditional German approach whereby um, a protective letter can actually um, potentially be quite unhelpful to someone being charged with infringement of a patent in that um, it, it might be taken to uh, suggest there is a greater likelihood of infringement there. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll look out for details of the decision when that is eventually published. Yeah, slightly different than what we understood might happen if you filed a, a protective letter. But I, I think in terms of, of, of the basics and the cases uh, filed so far, that probably brings us to the end. And so let us say goodbye for the second episode and we'll see you at episode number three where we talk all things jurisdiction with Greg Bacon. Bye.